for sure. 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 Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200-foot podcast. This is our third episode. We have a great guest today. Uh, joining us a little bit later is going to be Garrett Hole. But first, we have a little bit of follow-up from last week. A lot of people reached out to us about our hockey game discussion, ranking of the best hockey games, and asking us if we had played the NHL 18 beta. And... We have. We have been able to play. After about a week of trying, EA got their act together, and they made it so we were able to play with each other over Xbox Live. So, Jay, what are your first thoughts playing the NHL beta together? Well, I mean, you already touched on it, the fact that it took a week for us to be able to play together. Uh, Petey and I actually had to do the old the old uh, Rochambeau 3-2-1 hit-go routine in order to try and get uh, matched on, on matchmaking. But um, for what the beta is and understanding that it is a beta and it does have its pitfalls, I got to say I was pretty impressed with the new threes mode. Um, I played a few games for matchmaking, and uh, I, I, the, the immediate upgrade that I noticed was the skating animations when you have possession are much smoother and you're able to have the ability to actually turn away from from attackers. So, like, let's say, like, you have your back to the goalie and you're on the blue line. You receive, like, an outlet pass, right? So you have two attackers coming to defend you. Now, like, before, like, you would just be like, okay, turn around, and you would, like, turn into them going at you, so you'd be vulnerable to stick checks. But what's nice is this is a nice little you kind of cradle the puck around and actually continue to have control. So. So that's great. Not too much of a change in graphics, but again, that's probably because it's still a beta. So it looks the same, but the the overall quality, I think, is a little bit smoother, a little bit nicer. But let's not kid ourselves, folks. This was the grandest introduction uh, for a new hockey mode that I think, based on the, what we played, Pete, could take the world by storm. I think NHL 3s is definitely something that's going to get a lot of people's attention. And it's I, I think it's a lot more fun than the EA Sports Hockey League just because you're only dealing with two other people instead of four. So, yeah. so that's neat. Uh, what, what, what about you? Yeah, I forget if we touched on this last time. I forget if we'd had a chance to play it last time when we recorded. But the announcer is the worst announcer in the history of the world. I think I think what I ended up saying was that they they were going for the NBA Jam feel, which which totally makes sense and I think they nailed it in the gameplay, but they were trying to get that NBA Jam kind of irreverent announcer and for me anyway it does not work uh the first thing i do is i go and see the audio settings and turn him down to zero it was just horribly annoying for me the uh other than that the the biggest the biggest pluses is i i do like the new deeks i i hate that they took away the glide deeks because that was my bread and butter on the breakaway and i'm still a little angry about that but i uh if you get a chance to go on our twitter at two, uh 200 foot pod you can see my Forsberg deke goal on Jay. It took me only about 150 times of trying it unsuccessfully. Uh, so my ratio pulling off in a game is, is not very high, but let me tell you, it feels fantastic when it goes in. The, the, the biggest downside for me, other than the announcer, I think, is 
picking up the puck. You know, it's like your player will skate by and the stick will be right on it and they won't get it. And it just, for me, it gets incredibly frustrating. You're trying to clear the crease, etc. That was really frustrating. We already talked about the, you know, inability to play play with each other or against each other for a long time, which I think was, was pretty annoying. But, oh, um, what do you what do you think about the new Money Puck Edition? If you haven't played it, not every, you know, some of them, it's just you score, you get a goal. But on some of them, if you score, you either get two goals, three goals, or there's ones where you get a goal and then your opponent loses. I think it's either one, two, maybe even three. So, Jay, what do you think about that addition to it, that kind of multiplier? Well, I, I think we only touched on this a little bit prior to recording, but it's it's amusing because this NHL 3's mode is very reminiscent to an Xbox Live arcade game that they released, gosh, I'm going to say like six years ago, maybe seven, uh, called NHL 3-on-3 Overtime, and it was just very cartoonish, like little mini players with huge heads, and you would skate and you'd get big power-ups that either turn you into a giant, power-ups that turn your goalie into the size of um, a munchkin, so there's a lot of cool stuff that I loved about that game. And so when I saw three, is the, the parallels were immediately there, but obviously they wanted to keep it at least as realistic as possible. So they just kind of just punched up the hits a bunch more. But, yes, the Money Puck Edition is a true game changer because, let's we forget, since it is a three-on-three mode, you could have guys just getting on breakaways all the time, and you're just the game could be over really quick. But with the Money Puck, it, it's very nice to – to basically be able to get yourself back into the game, it's like a it's a it's a one hit uh, it's one hit grand slam to to be able to get you back into the game and it's it's easy but if you're on the wrong end of those it's it's devastating and uh, yeah yeah I was playing somebody yesterday I think it was and they were up four zero on me and I won in two shots because I had a two time and a three time and I was like if I were the other guy I'd be super pissed right now. There would be so many holes in our <laughs> collective walls based on just the turnaround of this. Because, yeah, there, we were we were playing with your buddy Kev the other day, and we were down like 4-1, and we basically just had to go into the locker room, and we had we had to dig deep. <laughs> and mm. we came out and we were able to, to – it's, it's like the two-point swing from dodgeball, right? Like, oh, you catch one and you get one of their out. It's back. Oh, it's great. Yeah, I still remember that the paint the paint is still peeling from uh, from your yelling. <laughs> yeah. So so what would you, what would you say wrapping it up? What do you think? Would you recommend that people people give it a shot or uh, or skip it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you have time, try the beta out. I mean, I uh, that's what stinks because again, we're still talking about a sixty dollar game. That's a week. That's a yearly update. So you know, that's at your leisure. But I think this time around. Especially with like some of the ratings and uh, like, especially like you know, without being too biased again, you know, the speed of Athanasio and Mantha is killer in this mode. But we were playing as the Edmonton as well, and they gave McDavid like the legs of the the god Apollo. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> or, or, no, it's not Apollo. It's uh, oh, who's who's the messenger? Who's the Greek god of messaging? Come on, Mercury? come on, everybody. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mercury? Maybe. No, no, no. Oh, geez, this is gonna hate me. We'll, we'll get. I'll, I'll think of it later in the show, and then then I'll get back to you guys. But yeah, I, I if you have the means, go for it. But if not, then when the actual game comes out, Pete and I will see you out on the skates. Sounds good. Oh, by the way, it's uh, Hermes or Aramis. Hermes, that's right. Hermes, oh, you know what is Merc- Mercury is Roman. Mercury that's is that's right. Okay. Yeah. Well, well when in Rome. All right. So moving on. 
Next up, we bring you some international news. That's right, USA Hockey has named their coaches for the 2018 Olympics that are in Pyeongchang in South Korea. I am actually very pleased at this because uh, I am pleased to say that I am from the same town as the future gold medal winning coach of this USA Hockey team. That's right, Tony Granato, Mr. Mr. Uh, I've I've been everywhere, man. Uh, has been named the head coach of USA Hockey, and he's also named his assistants, uh, Mr. Keith Elaine, uh, Ron Ralston, Scott Young, and my personal favorite, Christopher Aloysius Bartholomew Chalios. Those are not his middle names, but they are now. So I got to say, Pete, in, in light of the NHL basically saying that they're not going to mess with the Olympics, and I, I think they have a well-structured argument-ish, you know, like, hey, you're asking us to stop down for two weeks to do something that doesn't get us any money. Yes, it is a completely grubby and greedy uh, reasoning, but it is kind of sound because it's right. You know, the, the IAHF isn't exactly, you know, it's not like they, they don't pay the NHL to stop. They're, they want the NHL to, to bring some, some fanfare so they pretty much make money off of it. So um, this is a very curious situation, but I'm actually really interested in as much as I'm sad that the NHL at this point is not participating the prospect of us uh, digging deep and getting some good old boys from Minnesota and Massachusetts back on the ice, maybe pull off another miracle. I'm jazzed about this. I, I think this is a neat opportunity for, for all those involved. And, you know, for all we know, Pete and I are going to go out and try out for this. You know, hopefully they have tryouts in Lake Placid. So, so that would be nice. But uh, Pete, as far as like coaching goes, and, and again, it's, it's at the Olympics, it's either been the same guy for a while or it's, it's, because it's every four years, you're almost guaranteed it to be a revolving door of coaches. But do you have any do you have any thoughts about who those involved? Anything uplifting? Yeah, I mean, I think maybe with the maybe with the the change in coaching, because I think in the past, uh, the, the, you know, the last time we had a big USA team to root for was the World Cup of Hockey with John Tortorella, and. I remember going into those, you know, going to those games and looking at the, the the roster they selected, specifically the players they left home, and so I'm hoping that maybe with a different coaching staff, um, maybe we'll see a different way of thinking. But at the same time, I'm a little concerned about that because when you don't have access to the NHL players, then the most logical thing is to kind of go for that team mentality, which I'm, I'm not saying I'm against, but I think like last time the USA tried to go too much for this, you know, team grinded out at the expense of offense, at the expense of offensive skill. And I think that really hurt them in the, uh, in the World Cup of Hockey. And so, you know, I'm hoping that with this, this new coaching staff that, you know, we're going to see a different, different way of looking at it, a different, uh, different mentality there. I will say looking through the coaching staff, I thought I, I did find something interesting in that, one, two, three. Three out of the seven have names that start, uh, first and last names that start with the same letter. You got Jim Johansson, you got Ron Ralston, and you got Chris Chelios. <laughs> uh, I don't know about you, but like, like, like Ron Ralston reminds me of like, if you're trying to go, if, if you're like a new undercover cop and you're going into a bar and somebody asks like, what's your name? And you're like, <laughs> Ron Ralston. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, yeah, I don't mean any James disrespect to, to Mr. Ralston. <laughs> yeah. Chair um, pool man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This guy's, this guy's clean. He's not a cop. <laughs> exactly. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I agree. I, th I think that there is something to, s to be said about philosophies, and the recent ones for Team USA have been kind of hit and miss. Uh, I completely agree with the World Cup hockey stuff. That was probably one of the more laughable things, especially when they like when they lost out and just hearing some of the, oh, those guys are crying there. They wanted it more. I'm like, well, if they wanting it more or having the most heart, like, yeah, that, that reads really well. That's a great thing to throw in a headline, but at the end of the day, you still got to have skill in all areas of the game. Like, listen, I want a Corvette. Like, I so want it. I, like, the, I am the guy who wants it so much, which means I should get it, right? No. Someone else out there is earning the money and has the income to actually get it done to actually own the Corvette. It's not about just wanting it. you got to put the work in. So I'm very, very interested into what – the mentality and the ethic that Granado and, and Chelios and company are going to bring to uh, the bench for this. And uh, I, I would actually – the what is it, the 24-7 stuff that they did a few years ago for the Winter Classic and stuff, you know, hmm. I think that, la that luster, like the attraction of that kind of wore off once the teams kind of got wise to the format and you tried to just force – these situations to try and be reality, but it's horribly staged. Cough, cough, Red Wings, the Maple Leafs. So I, I was curious whether or not that would work again. I am putting my hat into the ring now. I will lead the production because I feel like the search for a hockey team now under these circumstances, I think that'd be pretty compelling. Like let's, let's follow Granado around. Let's see him ride commercial flights from, you know, Detroit to uh, Saskatchewan, right? Like, for, in, Follow these guys. Who who are they looking at? What's what's going on here? Like finding the Americans that are hiding in the mountains of Siberia. Like I think I think that could be pretty cool because if you approach this from, I mean I feel like this is going to be like a Moneyball situation, right? They kind of have to currently assemble like kind of a misfit toys thing, but it's not like all the players stink. You can they're, they're all good. There are good American players, so we are um, pretty excited to to see what goes on with these. Um, I, I will close this with my favorite fallout from the announcement of these coaches. They were talking to Granado, and they asked him about Chelios, and he said, the problem with Chelios is he's probably out there skating right now thinking he's going to play. <laughs> and it's very true. And I actually kind of do want him to play because I don't think uh, I don't think a lot of people's blue lines this year are going to be too good. So I think Chelios is going to be going to be on the old exercise bike in the in the sauna room. Getting ready. He's going to get the call. And now it's time for our fan favorite and soon-to-be Peabody award-winning segment, Interviewing Important Hockey People. Uh, today joining us, we have Garrett Hole. He is the he is a co-founder of Hockey Graphs, which is not to be confused with the greatest uh, re-edit of a Nickelback song all this time. Look at this graph, and then it's a picture of a graph that is not the Hockey Graphs we're talking about. Uh, he is now a co-founder and CTO, Chief Technical Officer, is that correct, Garrett? Yeah, that's the label we give me, but we can get into that. All right, so, all right, so Chief Technical <laughs> Officer of Hockey Data, it's a data tracking and analysis company, and he was also recently named the GM of the Greater Vancouver Canadians of the BC Major Midget League. I gotta tell you, Garrett, <laughs> I love your logo. That is the that is the coolest logo. It's it's like if Kirby lost his legs but gained further arm span, like wingspan to be able to hold a stick and then was given wings. It's great. So uh, you can find Garrett at uh, 
at Garrett Hole uh, on Twitter. That's all one word. And um, Garrett, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you for having me. So uh, we we like to do uh, these things called questions. I don't know if you've ever heard them before, but we like to ask questions of people that like to come on our show. And That's again, we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we want to start with uh, the most recent news with you, which is uh, the the Greater Vancouver stuff. Uh, so you're a GM now. What? <laughs> how how does that? How does one do that? <laughs> Um, well, it is it is major midget, so GMing of major midgets not quite the same as uh, GMing uh, um, a pro level team or something like that. Basically, I grew up going. I grew up originally in Winnipeg, but I moved to BC quite young, around 12. And after that, I took part in BC hockey, and so now I'm trying to give a little bit back to the community. So, major midget is the highest level of recreation hockey for um, kids and so I thought this was a way that I could give back. I'm helping out these kids by you know doing the traditional stuff that uh, GM would do for a major midget team but also I'm going to be because of the fact that I'm attached to a stats company I'm going to be able to use this stats company to help help these kids not just not just in terms of we're not going to use the stats just in terms of valuation but also helping them become better players because a lot of these players are going to be looking into, you know, hopefully getting into schools or um, WHL or the BCHL or stuff like that. So, yeah. Cool. We had, um, you know, we have some, some reader questions that we'll, we'll probably get to a little bit later. Uh, a lot of people asked about, you know, they want to know about, you know, some analytics questions. But I wanted to definitely make sure that we, we get to talk about the Winnipeg Jets because uh, basically the, the format of our show is, you know, we're two big Red Wings fans. I mean, I grew up an Islander fan, but, like, you know, we're two big Red Wings fans, and we want to – you know, talk about the NHL. We want to learn more about different teams. Uh, so, you know, we definitely wanted to, you know, touch base on uh, the Winnipeg Jets. So I'll start with this one. Who are, who are one or two players on the Jets that you think could have a breakout season? A breakout season? I mean, it's always tough to define breakout seasons because of the fact that, you know, some people might actually like the player or appreciate them prior. I mean, Ehlers is one of those guys who I think most people – kind of like and know on the Jets just because of the fact that people like myself or Reese Jessop, uh, who are both active on Twitter, have always been a big fan of him. But I think that he's a player that's poised to do a lot better. Um, on defense, I'd probably say uh, Josh Morrissey. And in goaltending, the fact that he's always had a, a lot of upside, but he just hasn't carried the game yet and is Connor Hellebuyck. I mean, he He's dominated every level other than NHL. That doesn't mean he will dominate the NHL, but it means it's possible. And so if he does, that would be a good thing for the Jets, especially because they haven't had league average goaltending any season of their existence except for the one year that they went into the playoffs. Mad shout-out to the, the Hellbuck reference. He's actually from uh, Commerce Township, which is not too far from where I live. So I am definitely pulling for Mr. <laughs> Connor in that regard. Um, Garrett, I wanted to ask you, um, so – in terms of uh, Winnipeg, it's a city that had a team and then lost the team and then now has a team again. What what was your experience like for that? Because I I can't I can't imagine living through that, Pete. I don't think you could imagine living through that. Like, how does that how has that molded you as a hockey fan? <laughs> you know, like are, are you like are you are you like those bank robbers that's like, listen, don't get attached to anything, don't <laughs> don't have anything you can't walk away from. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know what? It has had a huge influence on me, um, and part of the reason why I'm here and why I'm doing what I'm doing, because I, I grew up, you know, really liking the Jets because I was from Winnipeg, um, and the year that I actually moved was actually the sick was after the Jets had already been announced that they were leaving. They had a lame duck year, like we already knew they were going. There was a there was like a save the Jets campaign, but they kind of knew that they weren't going to succeed at this point. It's past that point, so. It had a lame duck year, and and that was the same year that I moved to BC. So I was watching my team that I just absolutely loved, and I actually remember the last game that they ever played was against the Detroit Red Wings. I was actually in Victoria, BC, um, at my aunt's place, um, which was on the water. So I'm looking out on the ocean with the TV that right beside the window. I'm lying down there. I'm eating pierogies. Dip, mm-hmm. dipping into the actual sour cream container. That's how fat I was as a child. Uh, <laughs> and um, I could just remember just like I was, I was emotionally eating because I was distraught. I was a huge fan of the Jets. And um, once they moved, I tried to be um, an Arizona Coyotes fan. That ooh, did not work ooh. out. That, um, I, I'm shocked. Because <laughs> I tried to follow because I was like, oh, this is my team. They moved. Except the thing is, there's there was no TV coverage of the Arizona Coyotes in in BC. There's no real attachment, and so I just became a very casual fan. Uh, not and I use that ter- I use that term poorly because it's not like my, my love of hockey decreased. What happened was um, my love of any specific team decreased. So I I don't want to say bandwagoner. Basically, what happened was I just found certain players that I attached to, and those were kind of the teams that I just followed. Even if some of these teams were rivals against each other, I mean, for one example, uh, two of the teams that I really followed a lot once the Jets left were both the Detroit Red Wings and the Colorado Avalanche, who despised each other back in these days. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, just because of the fact that I like Joe Sackick and I like Steve Eiserman, uh, so I watched I watched a lot of those teams, and because they were both popular teams, so they were on TV a lot over here in the west coast of Canada because I was not a Vancouver Canuck fan. <laughs> and the interesting thing is when Winnipeg announced that a company was purchasing the Atlanta Thrashers and moving them back to Winnipeg, I was actually in Mexico once it happened. And everyone knew that I was, because hockey was still a big deal to me, all my friends on Facebook and whatever knew that here's this guy, big fan of hockey, but you know he always complains about how he's lost his team. And maybe one day Winnipeg will come back because at that point there were some rumors and such. And I was in Mexico, so I came back and I had like a thousand messages on every social media, email, <laughs> whatever. And I was like, holy crap. And um, again, because of the fact that, you know, the following that I did was very specific to certain things. I didn't really follow too much of the Atlanta Thrashers. I didn't know too much of their team. So I, I just Googled just to find out a little bit more about this team that was coming over. And I found a website that eventually got known as Arctic Ice Hockey. But before then, it was actually known as Behind the Net. And mm-hmm. I had started reading a little bit of these stats blogs. And it wasn't my first time being on Behind the Net. But this was, like, my first time, you know, religiously reading over Behind the Net. And I was at this time in Vancouver taking a combined honors in biology and chemistry, where I was focusing mostly on biostatistics and analytical chemistry, which... Is very stats-based in chaos. I always like to say that I know more about stats than a biologist or a chemist, and I know more about biology and chemistry than a statistician, but 
the real truth is I know less about stats than the statistician. I know less about <laughs> biology and chemistry than the biologist chemist. <laughs> but yeah, so I was already dealing with numbers in a very chaotic atmosphere and environment, which is why whenever people say stats don't work for hockey, it kind of makes me laugh. And I'm like, I just moved into a simpler environment when going into hockey from the human biology, but okay. Uh, <laughs> but whatever, whatever you say, sure, it's, you know, more complex than baseball and not as rigid as baseball. But uh, believe me, there's stats being applied and we're in realms that are way, way more difficult to understand than uh, than hockey itself, because still there's a goal where everyone's trying to put the puck in the net, which makes things a little bit simpler. You know, there's not really much of a goal to the body other than homeostasis to the point. Um, but yeah, so I started Googling, <laughs> I found this website and I was already dealing with numbers and I really started to appreciate these numbers. And so I started emailing the guy and the guy was asking questions. The guy back then was Gabriel Desjardins who, uh, went by the pseudonym of Powerchuck and he liked a lot of the questions and, uh, eventually he got taken over by, uh, TJ Moen and Tim Bonner and who was, um, Tim Bonner was, Still goes under the name Truck over at uh, RCW Hockey. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they liked what I did, so they hired me as a writer. And that's kind of where it all started. And so I started writing at Sports Bloggers Network. And then I asked one day on Twitter because I liked uh, writing on numbers, but I was sometimes always – or I sometimes wanted to write on things that weren't Jet-specific. So I tweeted out one day if anyone would be interested if I started a non-Jet stats blog. And both Derek 16 and um, Ben Wendorf said, can we get in on this? And that's how Cross <laughs> began. So the Jets nice. leaving and coming back had a huge influence of who I am. Yeah, actually, I, have a, um, I was looking through the, uh, the reader questions that we got, the listener questions, and um, I think there's a really good, really good question that kind of ties into what you just, we were just talking about. It's from uh, JJ, JJ from Kansas. He's our, our main editor over at Wingin' and Motown. His question is, uh, how has more actively tracking and analyzed hockey affected your fandom, like affected the way that you watch the game as a fan? Well, at first, um, numbers really changed my perspective because of the fact that you kind of look at different things and you kind of appreciate different moments than you would before. Um, when you're, I don't want to say layman fan because it's not necessarily that those people know less or anything like that. That would be an insult to them. But um, a non-statistical fan will focus a lot on the plays that are goals or the plays that looked like they should have been goals but didn't because the goalie just came out of nowhere or there was a huge uh, save or the player just kind of missed the net that was wide open or something like that. That said, as a stats guy, you start to kind of notice different things because of the fact that that's something that you deal with. You, like, you know, the, neut- the neutral zone was something that I pretty much ignored uh, prior mm. to statistics, but now we know that the neutral zone, you know, it's not all defining that um, someone still has to put the puck in the net and whatnot, but we know that the neutral zone battle has a huge impact in the game. So because of that, you know, I've started to focus on that, not even intentionally, it's just unintentional because of the fact that you understand different things are important than what you ha- would have otherwise. Now, from a personal level, uh, because of the fact that now I don't just blog about statistics, it's actually my day job, it's kind of changed me again at another level because of the fact that, you know, before I was a huge Jets fan, but um, now I work with some teams and I don't work with other teams. And because of that, 
some teams I might be cheering for and some teams I might not be, and it has nothing to do with fandom. It's just, you know, they're the guys that are paying my date, my, <laughs> my paycheck. So, so uh, Garrett, I wanted to, uh, in, in, in the greatest attempt to piggyback on what you're saying, so in, in terms of how, how the analytics uh, influence your, your view of the game, what's, what's the next or is there is there a next analytic stat that's like that would like change the game? Like recently, uh, Peter here uh, posted an article about uh, uh, Gar, you know, goals above replacement, and and my personal uh, uh, change would be to that to also add wins to that, so that you just have an excuse to say Guar instead of just Gar. Um, <laughs> but you know, like like what's judging where all the stats lie right now, like, is there, like, what would be, like, the next big break that would, like, actually have a, 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 an impact on, on how any of these guys are evaluated? In my personal opinion, a lot of what we'll see going forward is not necessarily new statistics, but new methods that will make us better at understanding the same stuff that we're kind of already understanding now. So at this point in time, um, like, for example, let's use like goals above replacement or wins above replacement if you're wanting war versus guard. Um, same, same thing. It's just whether you're measuring a player's impact in goals or wins. A lot of it is already we're starting to encompass, like, the whole aspect of a player. But now what we're going to do is we're going to start seeing ways that we can better understand the different impacts of a player. So looking at, you know, goals above replacement, it looks at this even strength offense, is even strength defense, power play offense. You'll notice penalty kill defense is not yet understood well enough that it doesn't actually exist in the GAR model. So there's um, something that's lacking that a player actually improves the team in. Um, you also notice there's not a goalie impact to GAR, and then there's also uh, face-offs and um, penalty differentials. What we'll start to see is that we'll start – to look at more refined and um, um, more granular data, which will allow us to better understand a player's even strength offense. For example, even strength offense in goals above replacement is it uses two different things. It uses how a player impacts the box score stats, which is you know your simple stuff like scoring and hits and shots and turnovers and takeaways. The only thing that that could really change there is you know just maybe better data in terms of hits and turnovers, which is not tracked very well at the NHL level. Other than that, that's going to pretty much stay the same. However, what we have is the other part of it is uh, the expected plus minus model. And what expected plus minus simply is, is uh, just to go the too long did not read version. It's basically a super course that introduces both shot quality aspects and usage adjustment impacts and what you can find what we can find is introduce more granular data in terms of being able to better adjust for that for example right now all our shot quality impacts are, have to do with shot location and also looking at player history what we can introduce in that and what my company has already introduced is looking at different things like um, puck movement where other players are on the ice and that introduces another level of shot quality. So th now all of a sudden you don't have expected goal differential that's completely new. 
But what you have is you have a more refined and better version of the expected goal model that you had before. And then looking again when those expected plus minus is adjusted by usage, we try to determine which guys are – we have different ways and to try to figure out which players are the guys who are driving these differentials versus the guys who are not, um, which uses a lot of machine lear- learning, a lot of complex algorithms. But um, we can start to also introduce things like, as we talked about, the neutral zone to try to help identify players who are driving those results earlier, thus making the expected plus-minus model stronger and more accurate. Because right now what we see is stuff like you have players who are super elite, like Connor McDavid, but are um, right now our goals above replacement model, if you were to look at a di- the di- player distribution, it's probably undervaluing the leap. But yeah, with McDavid, what we find is a lot of the players who play a lot with him are all with extremely high goals above replacement. And we hypothesize that probably because the, the model is trying to squish the tails in and consider most people, you know, not extremely amazing, excellent, or not extremely amazingly terrible, um, it might be giving some of what should be McDavid's value to the players that constantly play with him. So, like, we can start identifying which players are the players who are actually driving these goals above replacement um, models. So that's what I see the future mostly being focused upon, is under better understanding or getting better data that's more both more granular, more accurate, and more precise to um, improve these type of statistics. Um, also fill in the gaps, like, for example, penalty kill. And... I would, then on top of it, I'd say also the next levels is we'll start to under, better understand the whys and the hows players are giving us the results that they do. And with that kind of information, we can start not looking at statistics just as an evaluation tool, but also in terms of player development and how to make good players better. Jay said before, you know, I, I, I did an article for Winging at Motown about, you know, the Red Wings uh, goals up against, you know, goals above replacement last year. And... You know, just looking at some of them, like I was, uh, you know, I looked at the whole league and everything. And yeah, I mean, like some of them, some of the things were crazy. Like the the team, the team total goals against replacement, it pretty well correlated to points in the standings. You know, pretty well correlated to, you know, the top 16 team. I think out of the top 16 teams, 13 of them made the playoffs. But you had like Ottawa. Ottawa was like so low. Like they were really, really low. And obviously they made the playoffs. So, you know, there definitely are outliers and things to look at. In that regard, the one I want to get to one last quick question uh, before we have to let you go, um, and this is this is another reader question, and I know this is something that um, our Red Wings listeners are were interested in before. I don't think he would be, I don't think he would work for us, but um, Groot Squad, Groot Squad wants to know, you know, what do you think Truba's future is for Winnipeg? You know, he's been the subject of trade rumors for so long. I know last year we were, you know. We were really hoping that Detroit could try to trade for a defenseman. I know he was one of the ones we kept looking at. You know, so his contract runs out after this year. He's an RFA. What do you think? What do you think his future holds in Winnipeg or elsewhere? Or whatever? you know, that's a really tough call because I mean, it depends on how how much you take his reasoning, his surface level of reasoning, to be fact. Because there's a lot of you know player. Well, let's just get to the straight straight thing. Not everything that everyone says is what they actually mean. <laughs> So there we go. I mean, yeah. what, what, yeah. what Jacob Truba said at the time was that he, because at the moment, prior to that, Truba, the season before, spent almost the entire season as the Jets' third pairing right defenseman. 
Uh, and he was playing with Mark Stewart, who is a player in goals above replacement, has been one of the worst defensemen for about five years or six years running, just to give you an idea of <laughs> what his partner was. And sometimes he would get to play in the top four, and usually that was playing on his offhand side with Justin Bufflin. He played, he would sometimes get there if um, Maurice was feeling like the game was getting out of hand and they were falling behind. Or um, in the, at the end of the season, he started doing there more, uh, going there for the whole game. Truba, according to what he said um, when he requested a trade, was the fact that he felt like he was a top-pairing defenseman in the NHL, and he was losing value by being put in these positions that would impact his results. As a staff guy, that is true. We know that you know, despite how good a player is, if they're not getting lots of ice time and they're being played with a lot of crappy players, or if they're being played on their offhand side, which we know has a negative impact on defensemen, we know that the results a defenseman is getting is not optimal, which might be optimal for the team, but not optimal for the individual in terms of their production, which will um, impact their earnings. So, from a stats guy, I was like, okay, it's kind of true. It's kind of, you know, a little bit selfish, but as everyone talks about, you know, hockey is business first, um, and it's a team sport second. That's what every player says as soon as they get close to the deadline, um, whether or not they believe it. Uh, so what we find, it, there is realistic value behind what he's saying, but at the same time, that might not necessarily be the case. It might just be an excuse. Maybe he just didn't want to be on the team or whatever. And uh, so all of a sudden, they sat out. Um, there was no negotiations for a contract for the longest time. So Truba requested a trade. Uh, Kevin Shalodayoff said he's only going to trade him for the perfect thing because the fact that he's a restricted free agent, so he doesn't have much value, or he doesn't have much control. Sorry, not value. Um, so he sat out the first little bit of the season, and then eventually they signed into a bridge contract. He came out back in that bridge contract. Tyler Myers was injured, so that put him onto the Jets' second pairing. And by the end of the season, he was playing with Josh Morrissey, who a lot of people feel is going to be the Jets' first pairing moving forward because of the fact that um, Josh Morrissey is the Jets' highest-performing um, left-hand defenseman. And um, Truba was starting to get more and more minutes as the season went along. Uh, Dustin Bufflin was, is, you know, that guy is contesting for the top top pair. But at the very least, you know, Truba is playing somewhere between the second and first pair. So if what Truba said was what he wanted, well, he's getting it now. Um, but does that necessarily mean that that's his real his real request? I don't know. So <laughs> what is, what does the future hold for Truba? Really, like I don't know. Uh, it it completely depends. I mean, I do know he has. A lot of good friends on the Jets. Uh, Andrew Kopp, who's one of the one of the Jets' fourth line, third liners, uh, is a childhood friend. They've played with multiple teams with each other growing up, as as well as Mark Shifley and uh, Jacob Truva have been very odd best buddies since uh, they were both mm -hmm. prospects. In a very very weird way, where they used to sing High School Musical together and such. Uh, so I mean, there's definitely I don't know if he completely disregards the Winnipeg Jets and doesn't want to be a part of this team. I think basically it comes down to him wanting to do what's best for himself. And so the question is, is staying with the Jets best for himself moving forward? And that's a question that I can't answer.
So basically, we, we can just yeah. answer with a... That's a very long... <laughs> We're all shrugging. You all can't see it right now, but we all, like, our elbow, our, our shoulders are so high into our ears right now. It's like we're having neck, yeah. neck issues, so... No, but I mean, I, I, obviously, obviously, I'm joking. But like, I think I think that's a good illustration of how fans and you know a, a lot of people in hockey want there to be an easy answer. You know, where yeah. it's just like, cool, okay, yes, no, and I, I think that's a good illustration of how m- most of most of the hockey answers are not anywhere close to black no. and white. It's going to be shades of gray, and it takes a long time to kind of unpack everything. Yeah. I think. All right, so um, thank you so much for joining us today, Garrett. Um, we really appreciate it. Like we said before, if you want to follow Garrett on Twitter, it's at Garrett Hole, G-A-R-R-E-T-H-O-H-L. I got that right, right? That's the joke. Actually, I never thought of that. That's so much easier. That's why I have the nickname Garrett of the OHL is because the fact that all my Twitter account used to be all lowercase. Handle. So for uh, a long time, people thought my name was Gareth, and that I was just a big OHL fan. And then I found, I found someone told me that. <laughs> I was like, "What?" And so, like, the, so I changed the handle so the G is capitalized and the H is capitalized, so people <laughs> knew that it was actually Gareth Cole and not Gareth OHL. Well, much easier to remember that way. Um, so anyway, yeah. Again, thank you so much for coming. We really appreciated it, and I'm sure our listeners are going to love it. Right, thanks, guys. You're welcome. Since Vegas is the 31st team in the NHL, we thought that, you know, like when you have a when you have a neighbor that moves in, actually people don't really do this much anymore, but it used to be you have a neighbor that moves in, you bring something over, you bring an apple pie, you know, a nice nice gift basket or something. So we decided that we uh, were going to each give the Vegas Golden Knights a gift basket featuring one item from each of the other 30 NHL teams. So, Jay, did you have fun putting your gift basket together? Yeah, it was really great. I mean, uh, trying to answer all these emails and all these uh, inquiries to to the other teams, because I wanted the other teams' input on these, but, you know, a couple of them were a little strange. But, you know, hey, when you're dealing with 30 storied franchises in this league, you know, you never know what you're going to get in the mail from these guys. So I was really excited about this. You know, granted, it's August. It's not particularly the gift-giving season, but you're right. When when someone is – New on the block, you want to make them feel welcome, and you know it's 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 a really it's a really exciting time. We're you know less than two months from from preseason, and and it, and this is this is great. And I think that, I think the items in these baskets, Pete, are really going to help Vegas feel right at home and feel not only wanted but loved. I agree. So so what we're going to do is we're just going to go down go down the list of the teams, and we're going to say what each of us has gotten for. Uh, that team. All right. So first off, Anaheim Ducks. Uh, for me, they get Corey Perry repellents. That's that's pretty good. Um, they're the the Vegas Knights will also be receiving a chair that is made of all the sticks that Getzlaff and Perry broke when they were complaining to the reps. Arizona Coyotes leftover champagne from the team celebrations when they hit the cap floor each year. <laughs> that's pretty good. But in the last actually helped because uh, Arizona just sent the team itself. So, congrats. 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 <laughs> now there's only 30 teams in the league. So Hey, Vegas Yay. made the cap floor again. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. All right, Boston Bruins won Zidane Chara-sized duck to fight hypothetical internet battles with. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, the, they, they sent us Milbury's shoe, uh, the, the, the shoe he used to beat the, the fan with. They bronzed it, so they sent that. I don't know why they have that, but, you know, it's, it's Boston. 
myself. Well, I think the fact that you typically bronze a baby shoe, I think, is very fitting since it's Mike Milbury's shoe. Okay. <laughs> Buffalo Sabres, a Ryan O'Reilly signed gift card from Tim Hortons. Um, along with that is also a signed copy of the great film The French Connection, signed by the Buffalo Sabres French Connection. It's a very rare item, so... That, that nice. should be framed. Uh, Calgary Flames. I, I will. I will tell you the truth. I really struggled on this one because I don't really care too much about Calgary. Uh, so uh, I got them the letter M because Calgary has ten players on their team whose first name starts with M, which is weird, no matter how you look at it. Uh, I, I almost kind of want you to re-record saying that, but as as uh, as Sesame Street, you know, like today today is Calgary is brought to you by the letter M. Uh, that's pretty great. Um, I got them. It's a necktie that can't ever be tied. Special from Brian Burke. It, it will always, it will always forever rest untied on their shoulders, and it's an honor and a pleasure. Is is it extra sweat repellent? Oh, absolutely. This this the, you could you could pour, you could pour mustard on this thing and it would fall right off. All right, Carolina Hurricanes. A copy of their 0506 Stanley Cup video to remind people that they actually won one. That's very good. And then uh, what I got them was just, uh, you know, Hartford Whalers jersey. Just to, you know, you need you need some history, and it's one of the greatest logos to ever grace uh, this league. And the fact that it's not uh, still in use is a travesty, a sham, and a mockery. So there yeah. you go. Chicago Blackhawks, the three playoff goals the Hawks scored last season. Oh, topical joke, topical joke. I will never stop making that joke. I don't care what people <laughs> tell me. Uh, how many periods are there in a game? The exact same amount that the Hawks scored last year in the playoffs. Zing. Uh, and uh, Marion Hosa, Chicago just sent him right over. He's actually kind of crashing on my couch right now. Um, <laughs> I, 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 he speaks he speaks phenomenal English. He and I have been have been talking a lot about philosophy and just kind of the way of life. So it's good. So he nice. it, it's he's a good get, Vegas. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Colorado Avalanche. Joe Sackick's copy of GMing for Dummies never opened. Still has a shrink wrap on it. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask. To have the Barnes and Noble like twenty percent off bargain bin like sticker covering up the actual price. That's nice. <laughs> um, Colorado was generous enough to bestow upon Las Vegas the hair of Steve Eiserman that they used to clone him and then name that abomination Joe Sackick. Ah. So, if you ever wondered where Joe came from, that's that's what it is. It's like multiplicity. You know, every clone, like, you lose a little bit, so. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Eiserman won three cups. You clone them up. Sackick only wins two. See? It's, it's across the board. So, moving on to last year's, uh, one of last year's Cinderella teams. Uh, well, actually, not Cinderella, because they were, they were good the whole season. But the Columbus Blue Jackets, I have uh, gifted them from Columbus the pillow that John Tortorella screams into before talking to the press. <laughs> I'm surprised there's anything left of that. You'd think you'd have to go through a bunch. Um, I uh, From Columbus, I have given uh, Las Vegas all of the cannonballs that they couldn't fire because they thought that they were going to have Rick Nash for the entirety of his career. So, I mean, hey, hey uh, uh, what is it? Treasure Island is nearby, so you can just for, you know sell those to those guys to turn, turn a quick profit. So that's, that's pretty good. All right, Dallas Stars. Jamie Venn's copy of the Kama Sutra that has some pages torn out. Some people are going to get that joke. Some people are not. We look forward to everyone commenting, saying, I got it, I got it. Uh, I've gifted Dallas. It's the wad of 20s they handed to the refs before the overtime in 1999. Oh, boy. Oh. 
a nice, it's a nice, it's a nice thick rubber band. They didn't have time to put a nice money clip on it. It's just a big thick rubber band. The Detroit Red Wings, our hometown team. Dan Cleary's knees. I don't know why we didn't let Dan Cleary have them himself, but I'm glad that we were able to to dust them off in in yeah. their current condition. Uh, with Dan Cleary's knees, I'm also sending along the finest octopus hot and ready pizza that uh, that we offer. So. It actually keep it actually keeps pretty well. You just stick it in your pants and then wait till like the third period and then it's pretty good. All right, uh, Edmonton Oilers. The millions of dollars that the Edmonton media shamed Connor McDavid into leaving on the table. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was that was really weird, Pete, when you were telling me how you got that in the mail. It's kind of strange yeah. to see because it, 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 it was a pallet, right? Just a pallet of a bunch of uh, loonies. Yeah, I'm, I'm just right? really hoping that the. Uh, I'm just really hoping that several federal agencies are not listening to this podcast. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah. I'm also uh, giving to Vegas because you know it, it doesn't hurt to uh, to find other avenues to to gain some revenue. It's from the Oilers themselves, a solar powered oil drill. You know, hey, oh. hey, with that drill, you could find your McDavid, you could find your Neil Yakupov, and then send them to St. Louis. You could find your Taylor Hall, and then send them to, to New Jersey. So. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's multi-use, so it's good. For the uh, Florida Panthers, a newspaper featuring both the phrases collapse of the Soviet Union and rookie Yaramir Yager, <laughs> both from 1991. That's, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. uh, I, I had one, I had some, what I had for Florida was a little too generic, so I actually had to uh, Alexa order something that was way better than what I had. So congratulations, Las Vegas, you are being gifted the bloody hockey stick with which they killed the rat that started the rat craze. So it's <laughs> it's it's a it's a pretty pretty pricey item. So yeah, be thank be thankful that that's in your possession right now. Though so, you know in Vegas, hey man, it's in city. You never know <laughs> what you're going to use. Yeah, I think usually with rats, what they do there is they put their head in a vice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Los Angeles Kings, a copy of the book, The Immovable Contract and You, with Dustin Brown on the cover. Uh, does he have all his teeth on the front of that? I can't remember. He shouldn't, right? Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I think that was – it was part of the it was part of the contract thing. He didn't want to get him <laughs> fixed yet. Um, I'm gifting Vegas from Los Angeles, uh, Anze Kopitar's Raccoon Eye Black. That's right, folks. <laughs> This has all been one giant charade by Kopitar. I'm sorry to be the person to tell you this, but that's really not how his eyes look. Uh, he he doctors them, and uh, you we we were lied to. But I'm happy to tear down the facade that uh, that you were also willing to buy into. All right, Minnesota Wilds, a bucket of Gordon Bombay's unused hair gel from the Goodwill Games. That's pretty good. It's it's sealed yeah. too, right? You said it's sealed, so it actually should last for for quite some time. Um, the, uh, from the Minnesota Wild, uh, when they moved in uh, to uh, Minnesota to take over, as they were moving into their new digs, uh, they just found uh, North Stars Madonna jersey. So they they really don't have a use for it since they they were never the stars. So they're giving it to the to the Knights. So that's nice. There you go. Pay, pay it forward. All right, halfway through, we got Montreal, the Montreal Canadiens. A ticket from the Stanley Cup Finals signed by P.K. Subban. Ooh, that's nice. It's in a nice frame, too, that has a uh, an attached handkerchief that whenever you think about it, you're able to dab your eyes, too. Yes. Um, Montreal has, has so generously gifted from their historic legacy 
a Stanley Cup. They have 24 <laughs> of them, and they uh, they felt pretty good about letting one go. So congrats, Vegas. Your 2018 Stanley Cup champions. I thought that the millions of dollars from Edmonton was the best, but I don't know. Stanley Cup, I mean, people <laughs> spend a lot of money to try to buy one of those. Uh, Nashville Predators. I was going to go again with a ticket for the Stanley Cup final signed by PKC Van, but I thought that I didn't want to repeat it. So I went with a leather car seat with Carrie Underwood's name carved into it. That's really funny that you have a Carrie Underwood thing, because I have a Carrie Underwood thing too, but it's just a signed catfish. It was uh, from when she, when someone threw it on the ice after she sang the anthem. She had a sharpie on hand. It, it made sense. Yeah, I mean, as one does. As one does. All right, uh, New Jersey Devils, and we talked about this before. This is one that I think we are going to actually make, <laughs> uh, at least a short version. A highlight video from the 1994 Eastern Conference Finals set to "Don't Stop Believing" that fades to black when Stefan Matteau gets the puck behind the net. <laughs> we're gonna. We're currently finding the footage right now, folks. We already have the rights to the music. It's, there's some strange loophole that if you say New Jersey anything, it gives you carte blanche for pretty much anything. <laughs> We're going to post it. We'll let you know the link. It's going to be great. Uh, from, from New Jersey, uh, they are gifting Las Vegas. It's the portrait of Patrick Eliash that kept him alive for so long, but then he actually looked at it, and that's why he had to eventually retire. So that's thanks. And as a bonus... They are also gifting Vegas with the magical location of the secret loophole in the CBA that would allow them to acquire Kovalchuk with no consequences. So that's 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 pretty big. That's very generous of New Jersey. New York Islanders. I'm just going to tear off the Islander fan Band-Aid, and I'm giving Vegas John Tavares. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> um I'm, uh, uh, the Islanders are giving Vegas every awful jersey they've ever had. So expect like a nice big truckload of uh, Islander man. He, they only he, really had was, one was terrible he the, one. Was he the Islander? Is that what he was supposed Wait, to are, be? The fish sticks, right? The fish sticks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Either that or he was supposed to be, um, it was a promotional tie-in with uh, uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. Oh, right, 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 right. Yep. Yeah. Right. New York Rangers, a countdown clock to the next, the Rangers' next Stanley Cup ca- championship in 2048. Every 54 <laughs> years. Every 54 years. Oh, man. I hope that thing has battery power and solar energy. That's <laughs> wild. Um, no surprise here, folks. Wade Redden. New York Rangers have gifted <laughs> Las Vegas with Raider. Wade Redden. Good, good luck. Godspeed. <laughs> it could have been a combo gift with the next, uh, the next team, which is Ottawa. The Ottawa Senators, a signed portrait of Senator and Red Wings great Daniel Alfredson. <laughs> That's great, too, because it also comes with uh, Alfredson is uh, going to cook for the team, for the entire Vegas team, but just before dessert, he's actually going to go to some other team's house and have it there, and then and then he'll come <laughs> back for like a, like a wrap-up. So it'll, it'll be fun. He'll come back for like an after-dinner drink. Yeah. Philadelphia Flyers. A copy of the pamphlet, Classy Fan Interactions in Flyers History. It's a very, it's a very, it's a very thick pamphlet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Philadelphia. Like <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. Phil, Philadelphia is gifting Vegas with a long-lost Shen brother. They just grow on trees. <laughs> so there you go. Pittsburgh. A 2008 Marion hosted jersey as well as a 2009 Red Wings hosted jersey to help you remember that second place counts for nothing. <laughs> 
and and while you're crying from that reminder, Pittsburgh is also sending along a Permanente Brothers sandwich that is has hot dogs mushed inside of it because Phil Kessel gifts whatever the damn well he pleases. <laughs> uh, St. Louis Blues, a box of Kraft macaroni and cheese, because when I eat it, I've got the blues. <laughs> oh god oh no oh yes that's good um st louis is uh giving some very historic items uh to to vegas it is every championship shirt they made but could not wear because they were because they lost a bunch in the finals yeah so. That's tough, but you gotta let those go. You gotta let you gotta let those memories go and and, and play for better days. So good for them. <laughs> San Jose Sharks, a shirtless tour of San Jose, guided by Joe Thornton and Brett Burns. Ooh, just shirtless? Yeah. Oh man. Yes. That's, yeah. You know, for Vegas, I mean, that's that's like fully clothed. <laughs> um, it's like no shirts, no shoes. Let's go. Let's 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 do this thing. Um, also from San Jose, uh, it's the. It's the pendant, which is a first-round upset power-up. So Vegas, when you get into the playoffs, probably as an eight or a seven seed, if you're playing against, you know, let's say the Ducks or let's – who are we kidding? When you play the Oilers in the first round and expect to get swept, guess what? You can use this, and it automatically lets you beat one of the best teams ever because <laughs> that's just the way it goes. The 90s were a funny time, folks. Funny, funny time. <laughs> There's absolutely no uh, no remorse there, right? No regret, no holding on to old grudges. No, 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 no bitterness whatsoever. Tampa Bay Lightning. One-tenth of Steve Eiserman's GM acumen to make George McPhee twice the GM he is now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they need it, too. That's, that's funny. Yeah. Um, Tampa is also really excited to have the Vegas Knights in the league, so they are gifting the Vegas Knights with a uh, Tampa-based credit card so that uh, Vegas fans can actually get uh, some tickets to some away playoff games. Granted, it'd have to be a finals matchup since they're in different conferences, but, hey, that every every bit helps. A, a Bolt Golden yeah. Knights championship, I, I would be down to watch. On behalf of the Toronto Maple Leafs, I am giving them Steve Simmons to run the player of their choice out of town. <laughs> that's – oh, man, that's – that's oh, it's going to be a – didn't didn't you also say that they're also going to do it as a draft special, you know, like they did to this year, but instead it's going to be like this one-hour TV thing where Simmons is at, like, the win or, like, Paris, and he's, he's in a room with, like, ten people, like, okay, uh, here's yeah. who I'm not going to run out of town. They're like, boo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and Toronto has also uh, gifted Vegas with uh, 50 years of shame. <laughs> Plain and simple. Uh, Van <laughs> Vancouver. A burning car from the 2011 finals to use part, as part of a new Cirque du Soleil show. Ooh, that's nice. Mm -hmm. um, well, uh, Vancouver is uh, playing a little bit of the alliteration game here. Uh, we touched on a little bit in our coach segment. Uh, Vancouver is gifting the Golden Knights with their black, red, and yellow jerseys from back in the day because they look like a bee for Vegas. <laughs> Flying. On brand, folks. On brand. Listen to Darren Rovell. you got to be on brand. <laughs> Washington Capitals. 36 holes of golf at the East Potomac Golf Course. And it would be 54 holes, but Washington isn't familiar with third rounds. <laughs> oh, 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 zing. I have, to give, I have to give credit. JJ gave me that one. <laughs> oh, good. Good for JJ. I have to high-five him when I see him next. Okay, and then Washington is also... 
with those holes of golf gifting a cautionary look at how you can be wildly talented yet continue to fall short. So be careful moving forward. <laughs> That's good. Last but not least, we have Winnipeg, Garrett Hole's team. Um, and I am I am certainly not one to shy away from reusing jokes, such as the name of my fantasy hockey team. So, for the Winnipeg Jets, they are giving a copy of Patrick Laine-inspired Archer fan fiction called Laine to the Danger Zone. Zing. That's good. I say that to myself all the time. Laine <laughs> to the Danger Zone. It's catchy. The song of the song. And uh, along with that uh, character thing, you know, when you're appreciating uh, art in all forms, you need, uh, you need a beverage. And uh, what better way to celebrate drinking said beverage than with every Atlanta Thrashers 2006-2007 division championship mug. Every one that they produced. Every single one. So <laughs> looking forward to see those at uh, the Vegas Golden Knights gift shops at, nice. uh, at, at season start gonna be great so congratulations vegas those are some those are some hot ticket items there uh there's a there's a lot of history in this league and we and we can't wait for you to uh to start contributing uh to that uh classic and really legendary history mm. of the national i mean at the end of the day at the end of the day it's only fair that the teams give something to vegas because George McPhee has just been giving shit to every other team so far with uh, with with some of these uh, some of these expansion draft uh, selections and uh, trades following the selections that don't seem to make much sense, but we'll see. So good luck, Vegas, because you're gonna need it. All right, so we have time for one quick mailbag question. So for other people who wrote in, sorry if we didn't have time to get to them. Uh, write in next time in two weeks when we have our next episode. But Groot Squad asks. Who do you think has the best shot at the Stanley Cup this coming season? Oh, All right, Jay, God. what do you think? Because <laughs> I, I have a pretty clear-cut answer. I have a pretty clear-cut uh, answer do? for myself. You have a, yeah. a clear-cut answer? Okay, well, you go first. I'm going to say Nashville. I don't see any reason why Nashville shouldn't be the favorites. They, if they had had um, Johansson in the finals, I think that, made, that could have made a huge, huge difference. Um, you know, taking him off that top line really hurt the team, especially when you're up against, you know, Pittsburgh with their high-powered offense. You know, losing using a, losing a player of that caliber just absolutely destroys a team. Even so, I mean, they, they still came close. You know, uh, a couple bounces go a little bit differently. Like, they, they could have won. I think Pittsburgh got worse. I think Washington got worse. I think San Jose is didn't really do anything to make themselves that much better. And I think, I don't know, I can't really see any other team that was as good as Nashville was this year or has, like, made some moves to get better than Nashville was this year. I think, I think it's for me, it's Nashville. Okay, all right. Um, my answer is Edmonton. Ooh. I, uh, I, I... Made a made it a point to to watch their their series, and um, I got to tell you, Pete, there's there's something about watching their their brand of of, of hockey that kind of instilled in me. It's 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 more of an if this can actually be a thing that's said out loud and actually makes sense. It's an efficient wild card mentality. 
it's like they embrace that there is no plan. <laughs> like, like they're young, they can score goals. Let's see what happens. It's a dog's chasing cars. You don't know what you'd do with one if he even caught it mentality. And and it got them through it. I mean, they finished with 103 points. You know, the I mean, looking at Washington, they got 118, but that doesn't really count because they could probably win 150 for all we know, and they would still lose in the second or third round. But um, looking at where everybody else fell, like that's only four or five points. Well, let's see here. Well, okay, so like between between five and seven points below the the next high, like whatever the highest behind. Washington was. I think uh, the Pacific is. I think it's. I think it's a strong division, but not like so strong that you have to uh, worry about whether or not you can get out of it. I think it's like the perfect test to 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 earn your medal. And then you just play anybody in the Central, which is, you know, you you play Colorado, you play Dallas, you play Winnipeg, you play Nashville. I mean, I think the Edmonton Oilers, with their youth and and the experience that they gained with the last uh, last run. I, I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna surprise the heck out of everybody. Because when you saw McDavid drafted and it looked like somebody just said, "Hey, by the way, you have to stay late on Friday," right? Like he looked so <laughs> down, he looked so despondent. And then those uh, promo photos they shot with Nugent Hopkins and stuff. It just, man, it just looked so weird. Like he just looked like a guy who just, you know, hey. Uh, I'm I'm I am for an exchange student. I am stuck here for for semester. I have to fill it out, otherwise no credit. It just it looked bad, but the way he scores those goals, man, and the way Josital and everyone else is feeding off of him, I I I think their only weakness is in that. I think that if by some twist of fate that during the course of this next season Edmonton happens upon like. Just a, a just a, a, a an above average goaltender, you know. Like don't, don't get me wrong, I love Cam Talbot, especially for all the Ghostbusters references that he has on his mask and stuff. Like I flipping love Cam Talbot, but like I, I I need to see something else out of him for me to be this like a total lock. But I'm saying Edmonton as as a big as a big yeah. I think I think I think the 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 ship of the Crosby years has sailed. I think the NHL is going to is going to be changing formats, much like Rebel Radio switched to the mellow sounds of the rain. It's uh, it's going to be different, and it's a, it's a new age, and which just it's going to be the McJesus show, and we're all just along for it. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this: I would I wouldn't be I wouldn't be that surprised. I think Edmonton is going to take a step forward. I I I don't know if they can. I don't know if they're better than Nashville next year. But if if they do win the cup, I will not be. You know, it's not like I'll be like flabbergasted or something. Yeah, so so here you you heard it first. Nashville, Edmonton. So place your bets now. And that's actually that's actually nice because that's at most against the two of us. That's a Western Conference ma- a final ch- matchup. So either way, uh, if it gets that far, then it goes beyond that. Then then we can just reap the rewards. So yeah, so that's going to be fun. Um, well, this has been a phenomenal trip through the hockey galaxy that we usually take ever so seriously and ever so not seriously because we love this sport, but it's with a grain of salt. We're only human. So uh, this is a uh, great look at uh, analytics, and we were really glad we were able to give the, the gift basket out. 
we, we're, we're going to start doing a little bit more nonsense on, on the social medias, so be sure to follow us at our personal handles. Uh, mine is at the Roar 24 and uh, my good friend, Petey Flynn, you can find him always at this wonderful handle that I am searching right now because I'm funny, at P. Flynn Hockey. That's right, P. Flynn Hockey. So the letter P, the main character from Tron, and hockey. It's it's really easy to remember. And also, uh, again, because of all the stuff we're going to try and put out here, uh, the 200-foot podcast uh, Twitter is uh, already up and running. We've already started using it for uh, some really awesome uh, questions and content. That's at 200footpod200, F-T-P-O-D. And uh, hopefully we'll have more footage from the NHL beta of me undressing Peter instead of him undressing <laughs> And we close out this episode like we always do with our brand-new fan-favorite segment, the Doc Emmerich Superlative. We really we really uh, outletted this one. We really outletted this one out mm-hmm. to, to, to the world. So, so that's good. For sure. 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 For sure.